Good morning, everybody. How is everyone? Wonderful. I love that answer. Wonderful. <laughs> There's uh, one thing I want to talk about real quick before we jump into the lesson. Next week, there is a work, next Saturday, there's a work day up here. Uh, Tim asked if I would make breakfast. Now, I'm not quite sure if I'm off work yet. I think I am, but I don't know yet. But if, who would be interested in eating breakfast up here if I do that? So like five people, six. Okay, so I'll plan on 20 people. I'll, uh, I'll post on the trade share serve page on Facebook. I think everybody, most people can see that. You can spread the word. Um, I'll know by Wednesday if I'm working on Saturday or not. I don't think I will be. So we'll make some like bacon, eggs, pancakes, this, you know, healthy food. Healthy food. You know, a good light breakfast so that you feel energized to work on the building. We're having a work day because Easter's coming. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but I, this year is probably the most I've ever been excited for. Easter. I think it has a lot to do with the sermon series we are, we are in. Uh, learning more about the names of God. Learning about, learning more about who Jesus actually is and the, the different facets that each name he has brings to who he is. Um, this is week 13. This was a really long sermon series. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been really loving it. I know I say that every time I come up when I preach in the sermon series, but each week there is something new I learn about Jesus. And that excites me, learning more, learning more about Christ. Uh, we're coming to the end of it. Tim uh, is going to do the next two weeks, and that's, I think, going to be the end of the sermon series. Oh, But don't worry. I'm sure there's going to be good stuff coming after that. Today we're going to look at the name of Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. I don't know about you. When Tim gave me this this title, I was just like, duh. I mean, that's kind of the, the point. If, if you're a Christian, you know Jesus is the Son of God. Do you know there, there are many people who call themselves Christian who don't believe Jesus is the Son of God? Uh, in, in the book, Mama Bear Apologetics, that Tim has been talking about, our, our adult small groups going through it, in the first chapter, it talks about how 63% of teenagers that go to church do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, how does that happen? Jesus is the Son of God. That's, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Like, a lot of things hinge on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. There are many people who don't, who don't think that Jesus claims deity. I was talking to a lady at work and, um, she just talks about, I, she knows I go to church. She knows I'm big into Jesus. I, she knows I'm a Christian. And she was asking me, Hey, what are you, what are you studying right now? I was like, um, oh, I'm, I'm studying names of Jesus. Like we're, we're going through this, the sermon series. It's really good. And the next one I'm preaching on is Jesus is the son of God. And she's like, what? What do you mean? What? Jesus is the Son of God? I'm like, whoa, we got a lot to unpack right now. Holy cow, I don't think we can do this while we're working. Um, and, that, and that's something that I've been following up with her on. But that, it's a big deal that Jesus is the Son of God. <clears throat> on your screen, we're going to look at John chapter 5. And uh, John chapter 5, it's, it's Jesus talking in most of it. And starting in verse 16... It says, 
So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will be, you will truly be astonished. For just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead, the son also gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the father judges no one. Instead, he has given the son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the son just as they honor the father. Anyone who does not honor the son is certainly not honoring the father who sent him. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when the dead will hear my voice. The voice is, uh, the voice of the Son of God. And those who will listen will live. The Father has life in Himself, and He has granted that same life-giving power to His Son. And He has given Him authority to judge everyone, because He is the Son of Man. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. I was joking around with Kara this morning. I have a hard time just picking one little verse. I I, got to have it in context. I know that was a chunk that was a chunk of scripture to read. But the whole, <laughs> Kara's giving me the nine slides. Um, the whole, the whole chunk though is Jesus talking about how he's the son of God and how important that is. If you believe in him, that he is the son of God, that he came, he died, he resurrected, all of these things that he did, if you believe that, you're gonna have eternal life. If you do what he said, you're gonna have eternal life. That's crazy because he's the son. He's the son of God. In Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 1, the Hebrew writer talks about it, verses 1 through 4. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. I highly suggest reading through Hebrews. Oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's going to take you a minute. It's going to take you a minute because you're going to read like three verses. You're going to be like, whoa, I got to read that again. There is, there's some stuff to chew on there. Just these four verses, the first four verses of Hebrews. It's like, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack in that. There's a lot to chew on. 
And Hebrews doesn't slow down. We're going to be looking at a lot of Hebrews today. Uh, and it builds as it goes. It's such a good book. It's so, it'll so strengthen your faith as you read through it. But in Hebrews, he sits there and he talks about Jesus as the Son of God right off the bat. Right off the bat. Because it might be one of the most important names Jesus has. Is he is the Son of God. And throughout Hebrews, the Hebrew writer tackles other names of Christ. But it all hinges on the fact that he is the Son of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. I'm going to keep saying this today. You're going to hear me say that a lot. A lot. Jesus is the Son of God. Because it's true, and we need to hear it. We need to hear it a lot, right? The more you hear something, the more you're going to believe it, the more you're going to remember it. It's really important that we understand that. Many people in history have claimed to be the Son of God. Did you know that? Pharaohs claimed to be the sons of God. Caesars claimed to be the sons of God. None of them could back it up. We know where their graves are. None of them can back it up. I could stand here all day and show you in Scripture how God, how Jesus backed up the fact that he was the Son of God. We could talk about miracles. We could talk about uh, exercising demons. We could talk about just the way he lived. I can't scientifically prove to you that Jesus is the Son of God. I can't do that. We don't have his DNA. We don't have whatever it is you think you know need to know scientifically to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. I can't. I can't do that. That takes faith. But what I can do, and hopefully I succeed at today, is show you in Scripture where it talks about Jesus as the Son of God and how it, proof, how it shows proof that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Again, I'm going to keep saying it. But as the Son, there's a few qualities of Jesus we should probably talk about. There's a few things, being the Son, that are important. Number one, Jesus is the Prince of the King. As a son of a king, you're a prince. In Isaiah 9-6, I know it's a Christmas passage, but it doesn't have to be a Christmas passage. It says... For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus brings peace with him. In Hebrews, it talks about how he's our high priest in the order of Melchizedek. If you look back in Genesis, Melchizedek was uh, the king of Salem. He was the king of priests, a uh, king of peace. And Abraham honored him. And Jesus takes after that. There's a connection between Genesis 14 and Hebrews 7. Again, read Hebrews. So good. But in addition to bringing peace as a prince of peace, he brings an image of the king. That's what a prince does. He brings an image of the king. He is 
an ambassador of sorts, but he has more weight than an ambassador because he's the son. Sons reflect their fathers. I am John's son. I literally carry his name. My, my middle name is John. Not only do I carry my father's name, I carry my grandfather's name because my dad is a junior. I am to reflect my father and my grandfather. If you know me, you have a pretty good idea of who my dad is. And those of you who have met my dad probably agree with that. I reflect my dad. Jesus is the same way. As the son, everything he did brought honor to his father. In John 14, 9, it says, Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? As God's Son, he is the ultimate representative of the Father. No one else can represent God better than Jesus did. Because he's the Son of God. Another thing, another uh, quality Jesus has. Jesus has the authority of the Father. So he just doesn't represent God. He has his authority with him. Back in Hebrews chapter 1, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the, of the majestic God in heaven. And in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Unlike everyone else who claimed to be the Son of God, Jesus carried the authority of that name, the authority of that position. No one else could do the things he did. No one else could do the miracles he did. Nobody else could expel demons. In fact, in Matthew 12... Jesus is accused of casting out demons by the authority of Satan. Think about that for a minute. He's accused of casting out Satan's minions by Satan's authority. I don't know about you, but that sounds dumb to me. That's, that's a dumb argument. And I, I don't have another way of saying that. If it dumb offends you, I'm sorry. If you look at Matthew 12... He argues, there's no way a house can be divided against itself. I am expelling these demons by the power of God Most High, by the power of my Father. And again, we could be here all day looking at miracles and, and looking at the power he had because he had the authority of God. But we would be here. And some of you want to go home and eat dinner tonight, not let alone lunch. Um, Jesus carries the authority of God. Okay, so at work... Uh, I work in a steel shop, for those of you who don't know. Um, I'm a supervisor. I have between 15 and 20 employees underneath me, depending on what day of the week it is. Um, and I had to work up through the ranks. Uh, when I turned 18, my dad was the vice president of the company, and he wanted me to work for him so bad. And I was like, I don't want to work there. I don't want to work with you. It's not something I'll like. I don't want to do it. No thanks. And all the time, he was asking me to come work for him, come work for him. And well, Cassie and I got married, and we wanted to start a family, and I was a manager at a restaurant, and that just wasn't going to cut it. So I went to Dad, and I'm like, hey, do you still want me to come work for you? 
yes, I would love for you to come work for me. I'm like, okay, well, Emos isn't going to give me 40 hours a week in insurance. So if you can give me 40 hours a week in insurance, I'll come work for you. Great. I'm like, it's just going to be temporary. It's only going to be temporary until I can find something else. That's fine. I need the help. Okay. That was 15 years ago. And now I'm the supervisor with more than half the shop underneath me. But I worked up through the ranks, and I, I love my job. Don't get me wrong. I love my job. I love building stuff. I love getting... I come home dirty every day. It's fabulous. But I had to work harder than the other guys because my dad was the boss. Now, you're like probably thinking, that doesn't sound right. You probably you should have had it made. You don't know my dad. If you know my dad, I had to work twice as hard as the other guys. And... uh Because I had to work twice as hard, I gained more respect from the guys around me. Um, My dad's retired. He's not not been my boss for a few years now. Um, And when he quit, my life got easier. (laughs) When he retired, my job got a lot easier. Um, I used to be the supervisor of three different areas, and now I'm only one. They took responsibility away from me and gave me a raise. Figure that one out. Um, But... When my president brings customers into the shop and they have questions about stuff in my department, he brings them to me and he introduces me as John's son. My dad hasn't worked there in like three years. He still introduces me as John's son because that name carries weight. And if I'm representing my dad, they're going to listen to me. And in fact, they do. Uh, I had to bite my tongue a couple weeks ago. They had a guy come into the shop, and this company has been making really dumb parts. Like, you all realize I don't, I'm the only person here who has a college degree, right? Most of the guys here don't even have a high school degree. And you're wanting them to do trigonometry to figure out your part. Well, what can we do to make it better? And I bit my tongue. I was like, oh, I'll figure it out. Uh, but I, I gave him some suggestions. And because I'm John's son, my suggestions held more weight. Jesus is God's son. His suggestions, his commands should hold way more weight than anyone else. Anyone. He has the authority of the creator God. In his, in, he is the son. He is the son of God. Do you believe this? Do you believe he has the authority? He isn't just a good man. He isn't just a prophet. He is the Messiah, the Savior. He is Christ. He is God's only Son. And he carries the authority of God. Another aspect of being the Son, Jesus wields the power of the Father power of the Father. John chapter 1 says all things were created through Him. Hebrews referenced that Hebrews passage we read just a few minutes ago. Um, Hebrews Hebrews 1, 4 through, 1 through 4 referenced John 1 when it says all things were created through Him. Jesus wields the power of the, the power of the Father. In John chapter 10, starting in verse 22, it says, it was now winter and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. 
Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. But if you don't believe me because you are not my, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. The father and I are one. Back in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. When He had cleansed us from our sins, He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Again, I don't have time to bring up miracles. But if you're questioning Jesus is the Son of God and has the power, of the power and authority of God, do a study on miracles. Just There's a little snippet in John, just an itty-bitty little passage about a widow in Nain. And Jesus sees the funeral procession, walks up, just touches the casket, and gives this woman back her son. Dude pops up out of the casket and goes on his life. Look at Lazarus. Raises Lazarus from the dead. Spoiler warning. In a couple of weeks, we're talking about raising from the dead. I'm excited. So excited. Uh, We need to know this. This is what you need to know from this, this point. Jesus did things no ordinary man could have done. Because he had the power of God at his disposal. So he's the prince of the king. He has the authority of the father. And he wields the power of God. What does that mean for me? Okay, Jesus is the Son of God. What is that, Mike? I don't... Okay, you're beating that, you're beating that horse to death. What does that have to do for us? Jesus is the Son of God. Well, if Jesus is the Son of God, that means I can be a Son of God. You can be God's child. Mike, you already said Jesus is the only Son of God the Father. You're right. I did. We're going to get to that. But what should you expect as a child of God? Well, the first thing that I'm going to expect as a child of God is that I'm going to receive discipline. And some of you are like, you're leading with that. I am leading with this. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm really excited. I can't stand still. So excited. In Hebrews chapter 12, I told you we're going to be in Hebrews a lot today. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 7. It says, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you're not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterwards there will be peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. 
to take a new grip with our tired hands and strengthen our weak knees. Mark out a path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Discipline shows love. Last week, Tim talked about the good shepherd and how he keeps us safe. He talked about his rod and his staff. He talked about how he just bonks a sheep on the head every once in a while to keep him in line, right? A shepherd loves a sheep. A shepherd wants to take care of his sheep. How much more does a dad love his kids? Doesn't want to see his kids screw up and, and, and live a horrible life. I know I'm loved by God as his child because I am being corrected and instructed by him every day. Every day, God corrects me and instructs me. The Hebrew writer says the discipline proves we are his children. And I feel that's very, very true. Discipline proves we are his children because me disciplining Blythe and Kara proves they are my kid because I don't really discipline other kids. I might like... Sort of disciplined nieces and nephews, but not like I do Car and Blythe. Not like I do Car and Blythe. Think about this. You see kids acting up in stores and restaurants, right? How many of you parents have seen kids acting a fool in Target, Walmart, Applebee's, and you look at your kids and you go, that was you. We would be in the car right now, or we'd be in the bathroom, and oh man, you wouldn't even know what hit you. It would be so bad for you. You never act that way. Right? Right? Oh my gosh. And, and, and like, I, that doesn't scare Kara. That terrifies Blythe. Even now, she's 13. And I will look at her and she'll be like, I'll never do that, Dad. And Kara's like, I might try it once. <sighs> True story, Kara was itty-bitty. And we had just started little spanks, right? Little spanks. She was walking and talking. But she was still in diapers. And she was giving Cassie the business one day. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, little girl, you're going to go a little further and I can't save you. And she said something to Cassie. He's like, uh-uh. And Cassie swatted her little booty. And Cara turned and looked at her. She goes, that didn't hurt. I go, no, child! <laughs> you heard the diaper rip off and... Ah! <laughs> she learned. Some some of us are a little more stubborn right here. And, and we need a firmer slap upside the back of the head. Oh, my gosh. But we do that because we love our kids, right? I don't want my child to be that little fool in Target on the ground kicking and screaming because they can't get more poppets because their room is overflowing with poppets. <sighs> I need more fidgets. No, you don't. You need to go run. Ride your bike. But God's the same way with us, right? God's the same way. He's not going to discipline somebody he doesn't love. What's the point? What is the point of disciplining somebody who you have no relationship? Have your parents ever disciplined one of your friends in front of you? It's happened a few times in my life. And can I tell you how awkward that was? Where we might have been acting the fool and dad took all of us aside and he started yelling at all of us. I'm like, uh, uh, I'm supposed to be the only one who hears this. I'm sorry guys, run. It was awkward. God disciplining us is proof 
that we're his child. I love that God disciplines me. Not in the moment, not in the moment, but the fact that he cares enough not to let me be a stupid sheep. It's proof that I am his child. Another implication. Another implication as a child of the Father. If Jesus is truly the Son of God and I believe in him, I'm going to receive what I need. I will receive what I need. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in food and barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to Him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, will He certainly care for you? Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, and what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Isn't that true? Today's trouble is enough for today. Our Father knows what we need before we even ask. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, will you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for fish, will you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Growing up, I did not have a whole lot. My family didn't have a whole lot. That being said, we didn't know we didn't have a whole lot. I mean, I thought everybody got new clothes from their neighbors. I thought everybody got hand-me-downs from, from their neighbors, right? I thought that was just common. I thought, you know, going out to eat every once in a while was for most people. And now my daughters just spoil rotten. We go out to eat too much. We didn't know we didn't have a lot. But my parents always gave us what we needed. Always. We always had what we needed. I was never hungry. I was never homeless, even when our house caught on fire. I was never homeless. We always had vehicles to get to and from wherever we needed to be. We always went to the doctor for checkups. I even had braces. My parents always gave us what we needed. And it wasn't until about high school age that I realized we're living in this. I only lived in the house my parents just sold for like three years. And it was a huge house. It was my parents' dream home. They, they worked so hard to get that house. And living in that house, I realized, holy crap. 
crap we didn't have a lot growing up. And now look at how much we got. This is crazy. God is even a better parent than that. My parents were good parents. Are, are good parents. My parents are good parents. In fact, my dad came and picked up our girls yesterday and he messaged me in the morning and he goes, hey, I know you're busy and Cassie's not feeling good. How about I come take the girls out to lunch and we go get pictures taken? Sounds great. So they had a grandpa, a grandfather, granddaughter date, as Cara puts it. She calls him grandfather. I don't know where that came from. I didn't even put her up to that one. That's all her. I love her beautiful mind. Um, my parents are good parents. God is such a greater parent than any of the great parents of this world. God is such a greater parent. And we, are, as his children, will be blessed by a good parent. He loves all of his children. And he wants to see all of his children succeed. And he wants all of us to be his children. You see, if somebody else's kid comes up to me and asks for something, I'm going to tell him to go ask your mom and dad. Uh, a long time ago when I was in college, Jordan Chapel and Joe McKenzie would run up to me every Sunday and ask for a dollar. I don't know what started it. I was a broke college kid. I never had a dollar to give them. But every Sunday they came up and asked me for a dollar. And I was like, no. Now, if my daughters run up to me and ask me for a dollar, I'm going to tell them, you know there's nothing in my wallet. Go ask your mom. <laughs> but if they're like, Dad, I'm hungry, I'm going to get them food, right? Because they're my kids. If my kids for ask, ask me for something they don't need, Dad, can I get more poppets? Heck no. You don't need more poppets. You need to clean your room. Why? Because there's 80 million poppets in your itty-bitty little room. Oh, there's not that many. You're right, because I threw a bunch of them away. Oh, that was a fight. If my kids for ask me for something because somebody else has one, I'm going to tell them no. If that's the only reason you want that, you're not getting it. And can I tell you God's the same way? Mike, you just read a passage that said, if you ask, you'll receive. If you knock, it'll be open. I go, yeah, but God's not a dumb parent. God knows what we need. And God knows what's going to help us. He isn't about to spoil us. I can't wait. Well, I, well, hold on. I can wait. But I cannot wait for the right time when I am a grandparent to spoil grandkids. In like 30 years. I can wait like 30 years, right? But, but oh boy, those kids, so spoiled. Can't wait. In fact, we re started rebuilding our playground because it rotted and the girls were like, wow, why are you fixing our playground? Because you're not going to play on it once I fix it. Yeah, we will. Well, we were working on it and me and Andrew Osborne jumped on it to make sure it was fine at the same time. Yeah, it's solid. Um, but, uh, Blythe's like, why are you making it so good? I go, so your kids will play on it. What? I'm like, in like 30 years, it's fine. I'll probably have to fix it again by then. But James 4, if you look up James chapter 4, verses 2 through 3, you'll see that God is a great parent who's going to give us what we need and not always what we want. A lot of the times he gives us what we want too. A lot of the times he gives us what we want. Let's be real. I don't need the house I have. But God has blessed me with it. I don't need the vehicles I have, but God has blessed me with them. 
I just need a car to go back and forth to work. And God has supplied more than just, I would have settled for a 1994 Geo Metro. And let's be real. If I found a 1994 Geo Metro that ran, I would buy it. That's the car I learned to drive on. And it got 65 miles to the gallon. I would love that car. I don't care how I look in it. We called it the pregnant roller skate growing up. Because that's what it looked like. And you would see you would see nine kids get out of this itty-bitty little car. It was hilarious. But God blesses us over and beyond what we actually need most of the time. And only when he doesn't, he has a he has a purpose. If he's not blessing us over and abundantly, there's probably a reason. And it's probably because we're relying on our stuff more than we're relying on him. I know as a child, I rely on, of my father, I've, I've relied on stuff more than I've relied on my parents before. It's probably even more so with my heavenly father. So as a child of God, I'm going to get what I need. I'm going to receive what I need. And something else I'm going to receive as a child of God, I will receive an inheritance. I will receive an inheritance. In Ephesians chapter 1, Starting in verse 3, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and blessing and understanding. I said blessing, it's understanding, but you know, it's the same thing. Children receive an inheritance. Now, here on earth, what we receive as an inheritance varies wildly. When the time comes that my parents pass, I don't expect to receive an inheritance. And I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't need money. I need my kids to have grandparents. I need my parents. As God's children, we have been adopted. We are adopted heirs to God because Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross in our place. He died a sinner's death even though he had no sin in him. And then he conquered death. He rose from the grave and he's not going to die ever again. We went to a concert last week and oh my gosh, Carolee was there. She, she'll, there's a song, my new favorite song. It's called Don't Tread on Me by We the Kingdom. And it's not political. Don't think that. And the chorus, and I'm, I'm just going to say it because I can't sing this morning. But it says, he's choking on the blood that ran down the, ran down the tree. Ain't no one going to tread on me. He's choking on the blood that ran down the tree. The blood of Christ saves us. We can be washed in the blood of Christ. 
washed in the blood of Christ in baptism. In baptism, you are buried with Christ in the tomb. He was crucified and died. And the waters of baptism represent his blood that was sacrificed like a drink offering that was poured out, ran down the cross. And in baptism, we are immersed in his death. That's a tomb. That's a tomb. Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. The picture that fell at the coffee cart area this morning. That's an empty grave. It's an empty grave. Jesus didn't stay there. This morning, uh, before I preach, I uh, have hype music I listen to because, you know, I don't have enough energy up here as it is. And um, there's a few few songs I go to. I, I listen to Don't Tread on Me this morning. There's another one called Cages I listen to. I listen to uh, Might Get Loud. Um, that's a good one. Uh, but then I always end with Ain't No Grave. Ain't No Grave gonna hold me. Ain't No Grave held him. You see, he didn't stay in the grave. He didn't stay dead. On the third day, he resurrected. He came out of the grave. He lived. He's never going to die again. And if I'm connected with him in his death, if I died with him in baptism, I am connected with him in his life. So just like he rose up out of the grave, I'm going to rise up out of those waters and I'm going to receive an inheritance because when God looks at me, he doesn't see Mike. He doesn't see this idiot who stumbles over his words, makes poor decisions and everything. He sees his son. He sees Jesus. He sees a person covered in the blood of Christ. I'm so excited for Easter. Oh my gosh. Oh, it might get loud. We have an inheritance because Christ has an inheritance. We are adopted as sons and daughters of the Father because Jesus is a son of God. Okay, so I've avoided this passage, the whole sermon, the whole sermon, because everybody knows it. But it's the one that talks about Jesus as the Son of God. John chapter 3, verse 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Every time I come up here, I I tell you, and I'm going to always tell you because there's no way I can possibly know. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at today. I know where I'm at. I know where Cassie's at. I know where my children are. Everybody else, I have a general idea. But I don't know where you're at. I don't, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your struggles. I don't know where your relationship with God is. But I can tell you this. Right now, where you are, you can start a journey to become children of God. Or you can continue your journey as a child of God. I've been talking about this baptistry up here. You can be washed in the blood of Christ today. Today. You could have... That unification with Christ in death and in life today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's, what's going on in your life, but I know God wants to bless you. God wants you to call, wants to call you his own. He wants his family to grow. God didn't come here to damn people. 
He came here to save. Last night, we were studying with our daughter. And we were talking about the kingdom of darkness versus, or the dominion of darkness versus the kingdom of light. And we were talking about how it came into the world. How the, how darkness came into the world because of the sin of one man. One man ruined it for everybody. And Satan tricked him and his wife. He said, surely you're not gonna die if you eat of the fruit. And they didn't die physically immediately. They did eventually. But they died spiritually right away. But Jesus comes and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will never die. And just like Satan in Genesis, he wasn't talking about a physical death. He was talking about a spiritual death. We can be washed in the blood of Christ right now. Rise up in his life and live forever in relationship with him. If you haven't done that, talk to somebody you really trust. Say, hey, what's he talking about? I want to know more. We have a a communication card in your bulletin. You can check. I want to know more. You can write out a prayer request. The prayer team prays over them. They don't go talking about your prayer requests. It's very, um, yeah. Thank you. Words. <sighs> Confidential's the word. Thank you. You can write on there, I want to know more about baptism. I want a personal Bible study. I want to know more about how to become a child of God. A child of love. Don't let this sit. Be like the treasurer of Ethiopia when Philip was like, what are you doing? This is what it says. And he said, there's water. Why should I wait? He stopped the chariot and got out and got baptized. Again, I don't know where you're at, but I hope you can make a decision today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh my gosh. I'm so excited, Father. I'm so excited to be your child, to be a part of your kingdom. I'm so excited for Easter where we celebrate your son coming out of the grave. Oh my gosh, God. It's the biggest thing in all of history. Biggest thing. And you did it for us. Your son did it for us. You loved us that much that you gave your only child up so that we could all become kids. God, I don't know love like that. I don't want to give up my kids. But you loved us that much. I pray today, if there's somebody struggling with a decision to put you first in their life, that they can honestly look at their life and see how much better it is with you as our Lord, with you as our Savior, with you as our Dad. And I pray that we can all become children of you because you are the best father. You are so good to us. You are so great and you love us so much. Thank you so much for all that you've done, including sending your son. It's in his name I pray. Amen.